Welcome to Epic Catharsis. Hey, I'm your host, Kelly. This is your host, Tyler. We are going to be talking about comic book culture and sort of what it means to be a fan that isn't totally toxic. Um, Tyler, why don't you tell us about a little bit about comic books? Well, do you want just a brief overview or do you want me to start somewhere specific? Um, why don't you start with what they mean to you? Okay. I think that's a good place um, to start. I am a big comic collector. Um both for the story materials themselves as well as um, for some of the higher higher end grades that I try to get um, for some of my favorite characters and stuff. Um, character or comics to me really got me started in um, writing actually of wanting to tell stories and stuff. This is where I growing up comics were always, you know, thought of as like most people see him as like the the geeky you know nerdy people who would go and read comics and stuff and going up through middle school and high school i you know there wasn't a lot i love superheroes but i never really got into comics or anything and it wasn't until wasn't until early in high school where i finally decided to go and i think it was around 2011 with the release of green lantern it, it kind of was we st- we were starting to see that shift of our pop culture of people wanting to be a part of this this culture with comics that that started it all and i jumped on the bandwagon as along with everybody else and got my first comic of green lantern cuz i thought that the movie was going to be amazing and that uh that definitely didn't didn't Ooh, pan out big flop yeah that didn't pan out um but i i progressed from there and kind of used my experience of watching some of my favorite shows um, growing up, the Teen Titans, the old X-Men shows, Spider-Man from the 1990s, the the Adventures of Batman and stuff, and some of the original movies um, back in um, Christopher Reeve's Superman and stuff, and kind of getting an idea of the characters that I had already loved from the movies and other mediums and how, where they came from and kind of jumped me into comics. Um, but But comics has started to become my life in a way. As much as I still love the movies and books and every other medium of storytelling, I always kind of find myself back on the couch, you know, reading a comic and just seeing where it all kind of began for me and kind of really the turning point in my life of where I decided this is the culture that I want to be involved with the rest of my life. Okay, so I'm going to rewind through some of what you said into grading, because I think a lot of people such as myself don't or didn't know what that meant. Cause, um, when you think of the value of a comic book, I always just, I never really gave it much thought before I met you. And then when I met Tyler, you guys, he had bought this comic and he wouldn't let me touch it. And now when I touch his comics, I have to hold my hands out and he rests the comics on my fingertips so I don't touch it. Like, as much surface area of the book as possible must remain un- unpoisoned by my skin. So, like, <laughs> explain what it means for a comic to get 
like a high grade. Okay. Or like why you might slab a comic. Yeah. Which is covering so, it in like a hard plastic, protective plastic. Yeah, I actually kind of want to start um, around the value of a comic because I think that there's two different ways of looking at the value for a collector. I think that a lot of times you'll find people that collect because that's what they grew up with. That's what they enjoy. The character, the character or the story means something to them and they go for it. Um, probably about half my collection is, is about that is about the certain characters that I, that I gravitate towards that I connect with. Um, but then like you, what you're kind of talking about is also more of the, I guess the monetary value, I think that we've seen an increase since the movies and stuff of, hey, this character is popular and this first edition of, I don't know, Spider-Man can get me a lot of money. So let me, you know, go get it. But there are not many people that are going to be getting the first edition of Spider-Man. Um, that was, you know, just an example. But as far as the grading and stuff goes, like you were saying that there's, um, there are several different ways to protect comics. And I know that I may have come off a little, strange for making you hold the comic a certain way and you know acting so so scared about it um but what they do is a comic book it's like the physical condition mixed with the value of its place in history kind of right absolutely yeah 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 so that that's kind of what the the value and everything means and when you go to there's there's a process called grading a comic book it doesn't really matter what the age is. What what matters really is the condition of the book. And so when you go through a grade of a comic book, usually it's a one through 10 segment or um, kind of sliding scale thing. And it starts with a book that has been ripped apart. The pages are all off. The cover's missing. That's going to get you pretty much a 0.5 out of 10. I mean, there's, there's nothing to the book except for maybe a couple of story pages in the middle, all the way up to a perfect 10.0, which is like a hot off the press. There is literally nothing wrong with the book. Um, it's, it's in pristine condition. And what people will do is they'll take those books of varying conditions and they will send them off to a company That'll take those books and they will put them in what's called in a slab. And like basically it's a, a very hard plastic binding that keeps them protected where you can drop it and nothing hopefully will happen to them. Um, but as far as price goes on those type of comics, th- that's where it's start going to that's what's going to begin to vary because your older books, you can have something that has a low grade that's been read before that's messed up and it's going to have more value than maybe something that came out last month that has a high grade. Really, it comes down to because of the accessibility of it and the meaning of it. So your your random story that got published in the 1980s that is just a random B-side story, that might get you a little bit more money than what you have today if it's in a real nice condition, only because it's so old, it's in a nicer condition, it probably didn't have as much of a print run as in something today that's in the same category of a story of a throwaway random issue in a series where you're going to have a lot of them. So also, whenever you're looking at the condition of a book, how they grade that, like I was saying, is is how good the book is. And there's a great book um, that's been out for, for a while now. It's called the Overstreet Comic Book Grading Guide. And that's kind of what the companies and stuff use to help 
determine the the condition of the book and they look at the spine so the inside crease and see where all the dings are on it if the colors are faded on the cover or in the pages if the the corners are kind of bended folded if there's markers on them if people drew on it you know that's kind of I know why go ahead when we went to uh, Comic-Con, I thought it was really interesting because I was standing next to a guy who put a book back because the staples in the binding were imperfect. Absolutely. I've done that several times. Yeah, it's it's they really get nitpicky. And it again, that's kind of where it goes back on you as the individual collector of what you what you value the book as, because if you're going for more of a. Of a, of a book that has the sentimental value and it's not, you're not looking to try to get the highest grade or the, the most money out of it and resell it. Then honestly, like I know that there are several books that I have that are, you know, first appearances of little characters. I think I have like a first appearance of, I think I have a first appearance of the, the girlfriend to Firestorm and it's just, kind of you know a b-side character that i picked up because it said hey first appearance on it whenever i first started collecting and i i didn't really have a that much knowledge back then when i started but looking back on it i'm not going to go and get a higher condition of it because one there's not as much value in it as well as the fact that it's kind of just for the first appearance itself i don't care if it's a perfect 10 out of zero you know i don't have that much value in it for myself, um, the character doesn't really mean much to me. It just kind of was to own the book itself. So it really just depends on the collector, on the comic, the character, kind of what you're wanting to get out of it yourself. So, you know how in all those old movies, the nerdiest kids were the comic collecting kids and like the Dungeons and Dragons yeah. kids? And now... Those are almost the, they're not the cool kids, but they're by no means like total dorks. Like, I mean, think about Stranger Things, how that's bringing about a resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons or all these Marvel movies are coming out. These DC movies are coming out and superheroes are cool. Yeah, we're, we're really seeing this, this shift of our culture into this acceptance of these these characters and stuff that are bigger than life i think that there's a we're finally seeing everybody kind of jump on board with yeah you know these these characters they they kind of speak to me in a way because they deal with issues and stuff that maybe i'm going through also it's it's not always going to translate i mean not everybody's dealing with the superman type stuff but yeah it's just but the big thing is it's Life isn't fair and there's a lot out of your control and those guys come in and just punch it in the face and make it better. Yeah, they're the people that can stand up and say, we can fight this and you feel like I can fight this too. I can make my life better. Yeah. But I think it's cool that you were bringing up the uh, the shift of culture and our acceptance of comic books because comic books have actually been a front runner for a lot of social changes and throughout history, throughout their, throughout their history, as far as since they've been, since really about, um, probably Superman is really whenever you started to see these stories that you had these, these big monumental characters. And we started to slowly see characters like Wonder Woman, 
characters like Black Panther, characters that came out and changed or pushed the boundaries of what our culture deemed as socially acceptable. And, you know, you can still see that now as far as some of the characters that they put out and are creating. And I think that it's a very good way to connect with culture throughout history, throughout now, and see some of the social changes that are happening through the comics. Mm-hmm. I thought a cool a cool one that I think also got people into um, comics, but for different reasons, were ones like the Umbrella Academy or the boys, where you have these heroes, but like they are so dysfunctional. Absolutely. There's there's definitely a big medium or uh, or I guess a subgenre of these I wouldn't even call them heroes in a way. They're I guess like anti heroes, kinda like a Deadpool type thing where they're come off as personalities of like bad guys or they are having these conversations of like, hey, maybe the superheroes aren't the good guys. And you're seeing the shift of like this conversation on itself of like, okay, we've examined what the superhero is. Can we look at it and say, hey, the superhero may be bad. And I think those are always, always interesting books to look at. And then because we touched on it a little bit, I also wanted to talk briefly about being a fan of something because part of the reason i feel like people tend to judge those hardcore comic collectors is because they can really be pretentious douches so i'm not talking about you but you know who i yeah, mean you mean like the uh the comic collectors can be pretentious mm-hmm. or just fans in general yeah i think that i have seen a, a few of the older collectors and stuff can every once in a while be pretentious and it's of course it's not everybody there'd be there's bad apples everywhere as as we've seen uh, and no matter where you are in the world there's some bad apples out there and i think that some of it might have to do with you know these fans that were always put down and now that they're allowed to be in the spotlight they are kind of sitting there like i told you so and it's it's kind of off-putting to the new fans and stuff and it comes off as pretentious and uh, I don't really see a place for it at all in um, the fandom and stuff because it's it's always fun to see to see new people in there to see fans come out and find characters that they relate to that they want to hear more stories of. Um, a, a great example of this, and this is kind of bouncing out of the the um, the comic aspect, but back in. When was it? At the end of March, end of April, whenever there was some classified, declassified stuff going around about UFOs. And the government basically came out and said, hey, by the way, (laughs) UFOs are real and we don't know what they are. Everybody got on Twitter and social media and they were like, oh, my gosh, we, we need to jump out and aliens are real and we need to talk about this and everything. And. There was a lot of people that were starting to put down these these fake fans who are just jumping on the bandwagon now and not accepting it. But the um, back when all this stuff was going on and started to come out to the public, after you know there were, there was one guy who kind of stood up, and we all know the meme and we all know his face. He's the guy from the History Channel show Ancient Aliens. He, uh, I'm going to pronounce his name so wrong, but it, Giorgio A. Socalas, I believe. 
Um, but he came out into Twitter and he basically was like, look, everybody needs to come down, calm down. He said, there are new fans coming to this and they've are coming into our community. He said, we need to accept them and not say, told you so, but say, welcome, let's show you what we know and let's work together. And just the way that he came out with that, I thought was a perfect example of kind of what you're talking about of newcomers in the comic world of, you know, they should always be accepted as, as new fans of people who we can kind of bridge together and find out new things together with. Yeah. And I think that can be blanketed towards every fandom. Like I feel like for the most part, I was actually talking to my friend about this the other day is when I wear all my nerdy t-shirts and I go out in public and someone makes a reference to my nerd, my nerddom. Like I was wearing a Zelda t-shirt in um, Target or something and someone passed me and everybody's wearing a mask. So I didn't even know who it was. I just heard like, Hey, listen. And that was like it, but it made my day because it's, it's fun to encounter people who love the same things you do. So why would you scare people away from something you enjoy? You know what I mean? They probably love it for the same reasons you do. And you should be friends because of that. You shouldn't be like, well, I was here first. Oh, definitely. I mean, you don't own it. Definitely want, you know, the inclusion and stuff. And it's, it's, it's kind of heartwarming in a way to, you know, when it comes to storytelling and that's kind of part of the reason why we're here is, you know, we want to, you know, you always want to have a community where you can say, this was awesome to me. Let's talk about it and let's connect with it and let's talk about why it's awesome for us, not just me. And I think that comics or Zelda or any any fandom is really where that's where this stuff starts to shine. Yeah. And I think... The community built around comics and stuff is part of why they were written in the first place. Like, it's how they became such a huge thing. It's how they basically became a stock market. Because um, people love them so much because there's a little something out there for everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's comic books of, of any kind out there for pretty much any genre. But now I have a question for you. You know, you you've kind of listened to me talk about the comics and stuff. And so my question to you, Kelly, and I guess to the world or not to the world, I am the world. <laughs> so my question to you, Kelly and everybody listening is what's stopping you from going and picking up a comic or a graphic novel? You know, there are different forms. If you, if the one random comic feels like the, the wrong place to jump into it, you know, there are, there are bigger books of collected ones called graphic novels that go to any comic store or any place. You know, you can find them in Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or other, sometimes Walmart and stuff will have them, of just random graphic novels or comics and stuff. And they can be great places to start reading them. I, I will say I finally do own my first graphic novel. I picked up Watchmen um, at your insistence. But I will say, I guess why I didn't get into the whole thing in the first place is because every time I would sit down and talk about a comic with someone who was a fan, they'd be like, it wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that part of the movie was cool because I hadn't seen I haven't read the comics. They would be like, oh, well, that wasn't even supposed to be that way. You're wrong about that. 
which is where my question about the like the pretentious comic fans came in. But also, I don't know if you've ever heard like of the paradox of choice. But you walk into a comic shop and you see boxes and boxes and boxes of labeled comment comics you don't understand. For characters you don't know, or even characters you do know, you don't know where to start because you can't get a hold of a first edition or anything like that. You can't get a hold of a first appearance because they're thousands of dollars or something like that. It's it's an intimidating thing to try to get into without help. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's why I recommend going to comic shops. I mean, usually whoever's working there, I mean, their joy and love and life and passion is comic books. So they, they usually have the best knowledge to help you jump into it. I know it's, it is scary and stuff. Um, going back to your, to your worrying about the fans that would always act weird and stuff or rude about stuff. I think that's more of a question of who that person is and the issues that they're going on with life rather than being a fan of comics. You know what I mean? Well, it was, you know, when I first, when the movies first started becoming big and comics really started becoming a thing of pop culture and mainstream, um, I was in like high school. So it was like high school guys strutting their stuff, being stupid, you oh, know. Yeah. yeah, we've all been there at one point or another. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's, you know, that's the answer to your question. It's intimidating. It is. It is very intimidating. And I, I completely understand that. And it's it's hard to jump into something that has, you know, 80 plus years of history to kind of understand and grasp what you're doing and stuff that keeps constantly coming out every week. You know, it's 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 it can be daunting. That and I'm happy with my nerddoms as they are. That's true. You know, as long as you're a fan of something, I mean, you can't really complain I think part of this is that it's important to explore methods of storytelling that you don't typically associate. Like we think of movies, we think of TV, we think of books. We don't think of things like comics necessarily, or we don't think of things like musicals or ballets or any other alternative form of storytelling. So I think every once in a while we're going to be highlighting a new one. Absolutely. And this is, I think this is an art form. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty obvious. I mean, the, you know, they, there's art on the pages. I mean, it's a visual medium and stuff, but there's definitely deep stories that can be told through comics and there's reasons why they make good movies and stuff. You know, there, most of the Marvel stuff is some original ideas on the established characters or, or sorry, I guess most of all the stories in the movies and stuff are original ideas and concepts, but they are taken from somewhere. You know, the infinity war, you know, that that originally was a comic story and they adapted it. So they changed it, but it started as this amazing story in the Marvel Universe. And I think that acknowledging some of the basis of where these stories come from and exploring these other art forms are a great way to understand and appreciate stories on a broader level. For sure. So let us know... If you have, if you are a comic person, let us know what your favorite comics are, what you love about them, what you love about comic book culture. Uh, if you're not into comics, I know you've seen something based on one. What's your favorite comic story that you've seen so far? Why or why haven't you gotten into comics? Let's chat. But anyways, we'll see you next time on Epic.
Catharsis. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Epic Catharsis. Check us out at our website, www.epicatharsis.com, or you can check out our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought. We'll be back Wednesday, so don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. Okay, bye!